Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. talk about the fatherless generation. Uh, it's a term that's battered around. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Or we're going to talk about father to the fatherless. So, so that would be, be the title. So we've got a couple slides up there. Let's, let's look at the Father's Day slides. First of all, Rebecca, there you go. Happy Father's Day. And I'm sure a lot of you get, dads can identify with that. And this one, the next slide, is one I like to identify with. Yeah, the dad with the little guy. I love to do that with our little gaffers around here. Happy Father's Day. So let's get onto the title slide for the message today. And uh, bring it up for us. So Keith, fatherless generation or father to the fatherless. Last time I spoke, I talked about defining moments. And we all have defining moments. But I also am deeply convicted today, as I sit before you, uh, that uh, there are times that we need to redefine either words or terms. I just think that there are times that we have let certain things go, and um, I'm not so sure that we should have done that. Anyhow, let's, let's, let's set this thing up. Let's run at this, uh, this theme for about, I'm going to take about two or three different ways to run at this theme, and uh, hopefully in, in one of the approaches, something's going to stick with you today, because at the, at the end of the day, what's important is what you take away from this service. Uh, and, uh, and really, you know, the, the question was asked at the end of the worship about surrender. Will you surrender? And, and I'm convinced that every time we come to, to church like this, that really that is a fundamental question to us in, in our worship service. Will we surrender? There's always something we need to surrender. We have the uh, incredible uh, ability to pick up things, hold on to things, and uh, we're always being confronted to, to surrender. Uh, so this morning I want to talk to you about some words and terms. Words and terms can take on different meaning depending on where you live and often depending on the perspective of a person or a people group. For example, Grace and I recently took a trip to the UK to visit Kevin and Sarah, that is our son and daughter-in-law, uh, and also uh, Grace's uh, cousins. It was just an incredible trip. We had a great time. Thank God for his protection. Remember to pray for the UK. They've been really going through some turbulent times as you've been watching in the news, and, and you certainly uh, know what it's, what it's all about there. So, for example, Grace and I recently took this trip, uh, and uh, we were uh, reminded again of some different phrases that you hear in that part of the world that uh, we may not hear here, or we have different meanings to them. Uh, for those that have been to the UK, uh, and many of you have traveled, I've been with you, when you go to the uh, subway or train station, you hear the term, mind the gap. Mind the Gap is something that's very unique to the UK, uh, and they're just telling them, watch your step. Over here, we don't use that term, but it's a different phrase. Also, uh, over in the UK, you will often hear them refer to stand in the queue uh, or referring to the lineups. We use lineup more than the word queue, but it's just unique to that culture. Uh, also, when you're in the UK, you understand what the left side of the road is all about. Okay, over here we know what the right side of the road is, but over there, and it's tricky. It's tricky when you're, uh, as a pedestrian, and you come up to the street, you got to learn to look to the right first of all. 
Look to the right, first of all, because they drive on the left-hand side, and so that's where the, tra the traffic is going to come and right there, first of all. So it's, it's an adjustment, but it's a different culture, and, a, and it's a different phrase. While we were there, because of the uh, security threats that were going on, because of Manchester, and because of London Bridge, and then about a month and a half ago, because of what happened in front of the Parliament building over there, uh, they were kicked into their highest alert. So what they did in the UK, when you were at the train station or the airport or other places of public transit, you would hear them come over the uh, uh, broadcast system or the PA system. They would say, if you see something, say it and sort it. So wherever we go, you'd hear the phrase, see it, say it, sort it. And they were just trying to um, raise the alert level of every citizen, every resident of the UK, so that they'd be on high alert. That man, if you see something, say something. We'll sort it out. But because you know what, it, what what goes on. So those are different phrases that we heard. Now sometimes there are different words. For example, the word pounds. Now in Britain, more is better. If you have more pounds, you're better off, right? Okay, uh, in Canada, more is a problem. Okay, okay, more problems are okay. Okay, you, you understand a little bit difference, right? Okay, uh, what about the word tea? Uh, over over here, it's a beverage. Over there, it's supper. So when they say well, it's time for tea, it's it's supper time. How about the word boot? Over there, a boot is the trunk of a car. Over here, a boot is a fashion statement, or in my case, a special cast. Now, now, somebody said to me, you know, is that really true that you broke a bone in your foot just mowing the lawn? And I, I said, well, maybe, maybe I should have said something that Grace and I were at the zoo and she fell into the tiger pit and I had to jump in and, and go over. And when I went there, I broke my ankle and rescued her together. But, you know, no, it's true. I did break my foot mowing the lawn. And uh, I appreciate your prayers. I got to go see the bone doctor and so forth like that. And I'm believing God for healing in that uh, thing. And uh, if you want to know how to specifically pray uh, for this particular injury, and it's a common injury, by the way, uh, the, this part of your body, the blood doesn't flow as, as uh, uh, frequently as, as it does in the rest parts of our bodies. And so that means healing doesn't happen there as quick. So if there's going to be any issue that I face, it will be healing. And so I want you to be praying for me that healing will flow, that the blood will flow will be there. Okay, and I appreciate that. Appreciate your prayers already. And uh, that's, that's very, very, very cool. So... And then, you know, we can take time and, uh, and think about the computer. Uh, most of you that are here up in the front row, this is common knowledge. You never, you can't appreciate what I'm going to say next. But those in my, in my generation, uh, you will know that we've had to learn to adjust and understand what different words. For example, when we say the word screen, in my generation, we used to have an understanding of what a screen was. Or hardware. When we thought hardware in my generation, we thought about a store. Or virus, we thought about getting sick. Or a mouse, you know, something you trap with, you know, a dock, something you put your boat on, uh, Bluetooth, so forth, wireless, internet, wind, uh, you know, Wi-Fi, all those kind of things. My point is this. My point is this. There are some words and phrases that have been redefined for the better. These or, or, or other words or phrases, uh, these are words uh, uh, that uh, there are other words, I mean to say, that it really doesn't matter. There are other words uh, and phrases that, you know, they've been changed, but it doesn't really matter. And then there are words and phrases that have been redefined, and I believe 
We don't have to accept them. So at this point, I would say I just got a little controversial. So, so maybe this message will be a little bit controversial. Uh, um, I, I hope that you'll take it the, the, the right way. There's one such phrase uh, and example of what I feel needs to, we, we, we should not be so quick to, to accept. And it is the phrase, it's a part of the title, is a fatherless generation. A fatherless generation is often used to describe the generation or generations that are presently being uh, raised in the U.S. and also in Canada. So this morning, let's take a look, let's take a run at this, this phrase. And what I'm saying to you today, that we, we need to redefine. Do we let the term fatherless, fatherless generation describe our nation? Or do we redefine it and do we apply a father to the fatherless? Let's look at what the scripture has to say and what God has to say about fatherless. Over in Psalm 68, 4 through 5, we have it on the screen. This is what he says. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God's whose dwelling is holy. Uh, James 1 and 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. And every one of us should be sitting up and taking note. Okay, well, what, what is pure religion and undefiled? There's a lot of people in our, in our nation, in our country, that is confused over what real religion is. Uh, and, and there's a lot of misrepresentation on what's going on there, what true religion is. And so James says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. All right, let's make some quick observations as we, as we just think about Psalm 68, uh, 4 through 5. So Psalm 68 is about the benefits of the godly. That's what the psalmist is talking about. And he's also talking about the disadvantages of the ungodly. And so I think most of you here today would probably be well aware of what the disadvantages of the ungodly are. But one of the disadvantages, and the psalmist says, he says this about the ungodly. If you're ungodly, run for your life. Run for your life. You're in real trouble. And that's, that's how the psalmist saw it. And the psalmist saw it. He says, but he also talks about the godly, and that's his main focus. If you're godly, rejoice. The godly have the benefit of enjoying the presence of the one who rides on the clouds. The, the description of God. Uh, the godly are filled with joy. The godly know the Lord as he is the Lord. The godly are never fatherless. Because God is their father, protector, and provider. James says we find what true and pure religion is when we are father to the fatherless. James says be quick to listen and slow to speak. Get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. Don't just listen, but be doers of the word. They are incredible, there are incredible benefits when we obey the word of God. So, just in case there is any doubt, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God is caring for the fatherless. So yeah, I'm talking to the fathers today, I guess generally speaking, but I'm really talking to the church today. Because the church, we're all called to be father to the fatherless. So, 
pure and genuine religion in the sight of God is caring for the fathers and looking after the widows in their time of distress. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. Very, very, very basic, very straightforward, but often neglected. And in our culture, in our world, it is neglected. And that's why they describe North America as a fatherless generation. Wow. So addressing and caring for the fatherless is of the, the fatherless is of highest priority on God's list. And it is, uh, it is what he expects of his church to do. And it is, it's his expectation the church will do the same. So number two, I was thinking, okay, so that's what God has to say about the fatherless. Let's take a look at it. We're going to run at this uh, theme again. Now let's take a look at what society says about the fatherless. Society has a lot to say about the fatherless. And I'll give you a bunch of stats today, and you can kind of chew on them for a moment, all right? 63%. Now, probably going to make you go numb. You're probably going to get a little glassy-eyed right now, but maybe it wouldn't hurt to just take a few of these stats down so that you can say, oh, yeah, we really do have a need to be fathers to the fatherless. 60%, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. U.S. Department of Health, five times the average. 90%, 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from a fatherless home. This, I'm, I'm, I don't ask you to agree with me. These are the stats that I came up with. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. So, so do, do, we, do we accept, you know, do we accept the definition of a fatherless generation or do we redefine and say, no, we're not going to see a fatherless generation. We are going to be a father to the fatherless. But that is your choice. That is your option. It's my option today, whether we will accept the definition or we will redefine it. Here's some other factors about father, father uh, factors for education. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Uh, children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. This is the positive side. Listen to that again. Are you ready? Listen. Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. Uh, children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Ten times 
the average. So when you hear stats from society, which is largely ungodly, it's an ungodly society that makes these declarations, do you accept them? Or do you ignore them? Or do we decide that we are going to do something about it? Will we redefine them? Do you take the, next, the necessary action that requires of, of you? Here's the thing. There are many words and statements and quite frankly, redefinitions that we don't have to accept if we have the will to do so. In the documentary, A Fatherless America, as defined by a controversial figure by the name of Tommy Sotomayor. Now, you probably don't know Tommy, but Tommy's out of the States. He's a, he's a black uh, individual, and he has his own television program, and uh, he's working on a film. Very controversial, but it's called The Fatherless Generation. And it's all about this, and it's all about uh, uh, the generation that is out there, and uh, he's identifying, and it's not just blacks, but it's, it's a whole whack of people that are out there. Now, now Tommy's controversial, but I think he may, he's making a good point. And, and sometimes if you just want to get a, get a listen and get an earful of what, what he's talking about, go to YouTube and look up A Fatherless Generation by Tommy Sotomayor. And so, after watching a few of his YouTubes, you could conclude, as far as Tommy is concerned, whatever will be, will be. It's almost like there's no hope for uh, America. Now, I don't believe that is God's perspective. I don't believe that at all today. And, and I think you, you understand where I'm coming from. The fatherless, they matter to God, and they better matter to us as his church. A word to the fathers here this morning. We are called to provide the best we can. That's the best we can. I'm not saying that we can always do everything. I'm not saying that we can provide what every kid wants. But we are called to provide the best we can. Protect whenever it is in our realm to do so. And to propagate or procreate by whatever means is available. By natural ways or by adoption or, or child sponsor programs. Uh, uh, or fostering. Or, or we are called in whatever way to be preservers of the truth. So just some observations that I make. So what will you do as a result of this, this Father's Day day's, uh, message? Well, as I, as I conclude this message, and, and it's, it's going to be a couple more pages of notes here before I conclude, uh, so it's not, as, it's not that quick, okay? All right, but uh, so, so my conclusion starts like this. And Paul, uh, Paul is talking to the church in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 14 through, through 17. And Paul has a description of Christ's followers in this, in this chapter. And he's, he's talking about what you and I are called to do, and at the same time called to be. Uh, and, and I'll read the scriptures, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take it a little bit further. Uh, I'll read starting, uh, it's, uh, there's a, a, a slide for this, Rebecca, so would you get it for us, please? Okay. So, so Paul says, but thank God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's 
triumphal procession. He's talking about Calvary. He's talking about what happened at the cross. And, and there are some of the other writers, uh, uh, other uh, letters that he writes to the church uh, often describe this. So he's talking about this. Because of Jesus, we are now being led in this uh, triumphal procession. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like sweet perfume. Like sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God as we follow Christ and as we do what he calls us, to do, calls us to do and be, we are like a sweet perfume. But then he says this, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Note the words. I think, they're key, I think they're key words here today. Who are being saved and those who are perishing. So, to those who are perishing, talking about us, he says, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit, Paul says. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Isn't that encouraging today to know that God's watching us? So, so Paul's talking about uh, being a, a perfume, about being a fragrance. So here's the thing. We are part of something, church, that is so much bigger than all of us combined. I just, just need to encourage you today that Jesus' church is alive and well. I, I just I want you to know that, man, all over the world that there are people that have already gathered together and they're worshiping God. They're on fire. There's fervor. They're out there making a difference for, for God in the communities where they live. And so today, it's not just us today. There is a, there is a huge gathering of Christ followers that uh, uh, are far out number what you and I could imagine. So we're part of something that God is doing uh, in not only uh, Stratford, but in our world. And I want to encourage us today that there is all kinds of evidence that God is doing something uh, in, in our nation. So we are part of something that is much bigger than all of us combined. We are God's perfume. We are God's fragrance. We are God's aroma. You can't escape that this morning. Whatever you do with this sermon, it's up to you, of course. But when you leave this place today, you are going to be an aroma. You will. You are going to be either a sweet perfume or you're going to be a stench in somebody's nostrils. Right? Right? Okay. That's right. That's right. Now, now the bottom line is we don't want to be a stench in God's nostrils, right? Okay. Okay. All right, so we are God's perfume and fragrance. To those who are perishing, Paul says, which is the description of those without Christ. Do you know anybody without Christ? Right, right, yes, yes. And, uh, and I'm, sure, I'm sure you know family members that are without Christ and, and, and friends and, and neighbors. So to those who are perishing, which is a description of those without Christ, we are, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. 
You and I don't always know. And here's, here's, the, here's the clincher. You and I don't always know those who are perishing and those who are being saved. I mean, we, we think somebody, you know, you see somebody, well, they're going to hell. You know, that, you know we, we write them off. But you don't know what God's doing in their lives. You don't know if they're being, you don't know if they're perishing. They might be the ones, you might be just the person that God's getting ready to use to be that life, uh, life flow, that, that uh, sweet perfume that causes them to realize, I need Jesus. You, you might be that one person that God is going to use to bring salvation to. So you and I don't, so you can't sit here today and, and write people off. So that, that's why this, this phrase and what Paul is saying is one that takes us, causes us to be very responsible in how we conduct ourselves. So some are perishing, some are being saved. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell, but to those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfume. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. We preach the word of God. Paul says, we preach the word of God. We, we teach the word of God. We share the word of God. We live the word of God. And he says, with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Observation. Sometimes the word of God going forth from us, preaching the word, sharing the word. That's what Paul uses, uses our witness. He uses our witnessing talk. He uses the word preaching the word of God. is hindered. Okay. Here's where we get a little touchy. Sometimes the word of God going from us is hindered by the terms that social media has branded evangelical Christians with. Controversial. I'll say it again. Sometimes the word of God going forth from us is hindered by the terms that social media has branded evangelical Christians with. I believe we have an opportunity to redefine some words and phrases if we should choose. Don't have to, if we choose. For example, for example, evangelical Christians have been viewed as being intolerant. Intolerant. Intolerant because we won't embrace every religion and lifestyle. To me, that's not being intolerant. That is just making choices. It's making choices based on the word of God's choices, making uh, what, what you have chosen to do in, in this world. Choices that have been made uh, out of common sense. Choices have been made out of your own experience. But in our world, social media would like to call evangelical Christians intolerant. And most of us in here don't want to be viewed as being intolerant. Do you want to be viewed as being intolerant? No, you understand what I'm saying? So if you're going to be viewed intolerant, then there's, you know, you're not going to share your faith. Well, I don't want to say something because if I say something, they're going to tell me you're intolerant. Well, I, th I just think there's some words we need to redefine. And, and, and uh, for example, um, evangelical Christians are often called bigots. Bigots because we believe the word of God, which makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. I mean, 
We believe that. We believe that because that's what the Bible says. That's what our belief is based upon. That we, we believe that because of history. We believe that because Jesus Christ died and he was buried and he, he rose again. It's, it is our testament. That's what we, we believe. It. Do, we, do we expect everybody to uh, agree with us? No. For years, people have disagreed with the church. For years, people have ignored us. For years, people have gone the other way. Who's intolerant? I just raised the question. I just raised the question. I just raised the question. I, and I know, I, and this is, this is, there's, there's a lot of barbs to what I'm saying, but I, I'm saying, come on, folks. I think there are some terms that we have been branded with that we need to be, re, we, we need to redefine them. And, and, and we need to uh, let people, hey, no, uh, you may say I don't agree with you, I get that, and, and you may say, uh, say that I have a narrow perspective, I get that, but I am not intolerant and I am not a bigot. I am not, and, and I don't believe that we are as a church. And, and so, so and then there's one other phrase, and I've been working on this for a while because it, it bugs me, all right? I, I, and this, this is, you're just hearing where I'm at. But there's another, there, you, you ever heard the phrase, uh, you know, uh, agree to disagree? Well, you know, in, in our culture, what I'm finding is that it's one thing for us to accept uh, uh, people. Uh, and, but then it's another thing for us to, to be in agreement. However, in our, in our world, if you don't embrace and agree with a with a, a religion or a choice of a lifestyle, then you now are called a bigot or intolerant. And, and I and I I think we've gone awry in our society. I, I think you know it, it is it is a wholesome thing to come to a place where listen. I want you to know that I accept, but I don't agree. And I think the Muslim community is a good example of this. And I think we can learn something from them. And the Muslim community, they're going to be the first ones to let you know that say, okay, we accept you as, as members of the Canadian society, but we do not. We do not agree with you. We do not agree. We, we think you're wrong. And, and, uh, and I think, okay, I can learn a lesson from that. So just because, because we don't agree with somebody doesn't mean we don't accept them. I mean, I think that's what, that's what our culture needs, and, and certainly that's, that's where you and I need to just think about that. So, agree to disagree, because we don't agree does not mean we do not accept individuals as Canadians. Well, here I go. On the contrary, we do accept all people to this great country called Canada. Canada Day is coming up, and I hope you're going to join us with the float. So, on the contrary, we do accept all people to this great country called Canada. Canada. Do, do, we, uh, do we agree with every... Uh, every uh, uh, race that comes in, do we agree with every lifestyle? Come? No, no. But we do accept all people to this great country called Canada. We do accept and lobby for all people who call this country theirs with all the privileges and rights that go with citizenship. And furthermore, we will, we will defend their right to choose, even though we may disagree wholeheartedly with their choice. We will as Christ followers and furthermore because it is our biblical mandate to do everything possible to love our neighbors as ourselves regardless of their race, religion or lifestyle.
I think that's good. Okay. The reason we will do this and hold ourselves accountable to each other is because truthfully, truthfully, doesn't matter their religion or their lifestyle because truthfully, we really don't know who, we don't know those who are dying or being saved. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our role is to be the sweet perfume of God and leave the response of the fragrance up to God and his Holy Spirit. Right? Why? Because as Paul says, God is watching us. God is watching us, and we need to be faithful. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I love Canada, and, and I, I just believe that you and I need to just rethink the next time that you feel your Christian testimony is being hindered because you're afraid that you're going to be called intolerant or a bigot. I think, I think you have the choice. I think you have the choice to redefine what intolerant is and what it means to be a bigot. And I also think that once again, we need to come back to, the, to, to a proper understanding that just because we, we don't agree with you doesn't mean we don't accept you. Uh, we do, we do, we do. We, we accept, and, you know, and there are people coming to this nation that need to know that we accept them. They need to know that, they, know, they need to know that they, they are accepted by us so that we can show them Christ's love. Okay, so that they'll be, all right, okay, so, because we don't know, we don't know who's perishing, we don't know who's being saved, and I like to think this, and this is where I'm coming from, is I like to believe that you and I are just that one person that God wants to bring into that person's life that is the moment of salvation for them, that sweet perfume moment. I want to tell you a story, and then we're going to be done. We were over uh, visiting the cousins in Scotland uh, while we're away, and we have a graphic up there, so Rebecca, please bring that up. Uh, and uh, we, we had a great time uh, with, with our cousins, uh, and uh, uh, we, we traveled all over uh, and uh, with them, uh, and we ended up in a place called Stornoway. And uh, this is a, a view of the, uh, the port in Stornoway. And the next, uh, if you will bring up the next uh, slide, Rebecca. Uh, so, so, so we, we have we have some relatives that uh, right, we we love them dearly, and, uh, and and they're still they're they're still just you know they're 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 making up their minds about spiritual things and and uh, and we we just want to be that sweet perfume in their lives. And, and I gotta be honest with you that uh, there were times I was wondering, Lord, I, I man, I don't know, I don't know if there's any impact that's being made here, and and, and I, I don't know if we're making a difference in in our lives. And, in their lives and so this one night while we were up on the Isle of Lewis and you can see it way up there at the top up at the Isle of Lewis and the, the place called Stornoway now up at the Isle of Lewis at this time of the year uh, it, it is still at, a, at 11 o'clock at night it's bright it's just, just broad daylight and the sun, the sun basically doesn't set now up that, that area. And so it's broad daylight at 11, and then at 4 o'clock in the morning, it's going as well. So while we were there visiting one night, we had a cousin of Grace's that came over, and, and we were sharing with some other cousins, and, and it was great. And now Stornoway is, is a remote, it used to be a strong fishing village, and now the, the Ministry of Natural Resources, so they're trying to do some things there, but it, it really is an economically depressed area. Uh, and so we 
you know, we didn't see much of a, uh, a church like ours, for sure, uh, uh, happening over there. And, and so this particular night, while we were there, a cousin came over and uh, was finding out more about us because we hadn't met her before. And, and uh, then Grace brought up the, the, the subject of, of Muslims and, and some of the things that just happened in the UK. And, and this... this cousin who, who we had not met said, you know what? I have a friend of mine. I have some friends that are missionaries and they are seeing Muslims come to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, on, on a record basis. Well, I mean, I tell you, you got to blown us over. Uh, you got to knock us over the feather at that point because we had no idea that any such, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, church or, or conviction or relative had that kind of connection. And, and this person started talking to us and they knew I was a pastor. And so they said, well, what kind of church do you pastor? And, you know, I explained to them about my retirement mode and all that kind of thing. And I said, well, I said, we're Pentecostal. And, oh, she says, you're Pentecostal. She says, you mean you raise your hands and you kind of tap your feet and, you know, kind of make, yeah, 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 that's the kind of people. She says, well, that's the kind of church I go to. She says, that's the kind of church I go to. And I mean, like Grace and I, our mouths are dropping open because we're saying, oh, wow, Lord, you know, we weren't sure what, what you're doing. We're not sure of uh, how, how you're working in this area. And then, then this, this lady, I, see, I'm getting excited here. Okay, I'm going to get up here just a moment. And so it's like the Lord pulled back the curtain. And, and the curtain says, you know, yeah, we're, we're associated with another church uh, uh, over in California. Um, uh, uh, it's, um, oh, Bethel, a Bethel church over in, in, in California. Bethel Redding, Bill Johnson's material. I th oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, we, we got so excited, but it was like, it was like God was saying, hey, Swartwood, you have no idea. You have no idea what I'm up to. You have no idea. You have no idea how I'm working. My Holy Spirit is working. And, and Swartwood, I want you to know, I love your relatives more than you do. And, and I'm working on it. And, and this, this is like, Swartwood, you just be the perfume. You just be in the perfume. And I believe in my heart of hearts that, that my, my relatives, certainly connected through Gracie, that these are people that, that God, by his Holy Spirit, they're being saved. They're, they're being brought in. And they may not quite be there yet, but they're being brought in. And that the Holy Spirit's doing everything. And I believe that's what he's doing. Excuse me. What he's doing in all your lives. Your family members. Don't. Don't allow the enemy come and say they're perishing and there's no hope. Redefine what the enemy is saying to you and allow him to say to you, no, no, no. These are the ones that are being saved. Amen? It's up to us. Okay. All right. Let's pray for the fathers. Precious Heavenly Father, we want to be a church that's a father to the fatherless. And Lord, we can do that in several ways. Uh, Lord, we can, uh, uh, Lord, we can uh, uh, do it through uh, programs like World Vision and so forth. Lord, we can be foster parents like some of our people are here in this church today. What an example. Lord, we can actually adopt all those kind of things. But Lord, I pray today, not only I do pray, fathers that the fathers would be encouraged today. I pray, Father, that you would raise up godly men. I pray, Father, for those that uh, are, are not uh, fathers at this present moment, that, uh, Lord, that you will give them a heart for the fatherless. Uh, I pray, Father, 
Father, that you raise them up to be mighty men. And, uh, uh, and Lord, and we, we heard the stats, and the stats of woe that, that tells us what happens when, 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 when a father abdicates his role. And so, Lord, today I pray that you will help each and every one of us as, as men to fulfill our role. I pray that as for our church as well, that, uh, Lord, that our church would be a church uh, that is known as a church to the fatherless. And, Lord, I pray that we will be uh, that sweet perfume uh, to this community. And, Lord, I pray that the nation of Canada will know the, that, that sweet fragrance of God. And Father, we are believing and we are thanking you for a move of God that's going to go from shore to shore to shore. So, Lord, thank you today for what you are doing. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name, amen. 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 Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 